Welcome, everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life Successories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Hello, listeners. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Diana Bletter. Diana is an award-winning author of several books, including The Invisible Thread, A Portrait of Jewish American Women, A Remarkable Kindness, and a memoir, The Mom Who Took Off on Her Motorcycle. Her latest book, The Loving Yourself Book for Women, which came out in May of this year, A Practical Guide to Boost Self-Esteem, Heal Your Inner Child, and Celebrate the Woman You Are, is an Amazon number one bestseller in family and personal growth and inspirational spirituality. This is the first in a series of her Loving Yourself books, which I look forward to hearing all about. Me too. Let me tell you a little bit more about Diana. She's a Cornell University grad. And her writing has appeared in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, Commentary, Tablet Mag, Glamour, the North American Review, Feller, the Times of Israel, and the Forward, and many other publications. Wow, she's very prolific. She sure is. Diana lives in a beach village in northern Israel with her husband, where they raised their six children and unofficially adopted a daughter from Ethiopia. Dan is an amazing person. For our listeners, let's put this in perspective. It's the very end of October as we speak to her and she is in Israel and she is going to tell us about her book and her accessory because this is life's accessories, of course, but we want to hear about what's going on in Israel and we've been emailing back and forth with her. So this should be very interesting and probably not your typical life's accessories. No, not the traditional life's accessories episode, but an important one and so excited to welcome Diana to hear her story, her perspective, and let's bring her on. Diana, welcome to Life's Accessories. We are just feeling so much gratitude this morning to have you on, and we thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's really good to see your face, Diana. And I have the honor of asking you the big Life's Accessories question of the day, which is what meaningful accessory do you want to share with us? I have a virtual accessory and that is self-esteem. That is loving myself is an accessory that I have to wear because if I don't wear it and feel it, then any place I go and whatever outfit I wear, it won't live up to it without that self-esteem. So I try to carry it with me wherever I go. How long have you been carrying your self-esteem with you? And how did this come about? Growing up in Great Neck, I think I was very ashamed about being a a Jewish American princess. That's how I was labeled coming from Long Island. And I think I felt embarrassed and apologetic. And uh, Jewish men used Jewish women to make fun of as targets. So I already felt the sense that as a Jewish woman, I wasn't good enough. And it wasn't as like sexy or cool as non-Jewish women. 
And I started writing about that at an early age. And so that's something that I've always thought about. This is a really interesting take. Can you talk about how this feeling and this realization of wearing your self-esteem led you to write your latest book, Loving Yourself? Yes, I, I can talk about it. I felt like I was sharing with my daughters who are now in their early 30s about loving themselves and also with my sons too, but I think on a different level. And then I decided that I would take all that I had learned and write it in a book to leave also as a, a, a legacy or something that I can share with them and, and pass on. So that is how I started. And I wrote the book in partnership with my younger daughter, Libby, and she became my publisher. And so it was a joint effort, which is also wonderful. And now our next project is the Loving Yourself Adventure for Girls. And that will be coming out, we we hope, in another month or so. So we want to do a series. That sounds fantastic. Tell us more about what you anticipate the series to look like. Do you have a sense of that at this point? I think that every group has a sense of not being enough, not having enough, not doing enough. And I want to stress that, yes, I am enough. I have enough. I do enough. And I can love myself exactly how I am. And this is my package. This is what, how I was made. And I want people to embrace themselves and who they are. I think that's so true. And that's such an important lesson. And it's interesting, this podcast is on one level about fashion and accessories and items from our closets. But the truth of it is, and you hit the nail on the head that whatever you wear, it could be the most beautiful dress, the fanciest, whatever, the most cherished earring. But if you don't have that self-confidence, if you don't feel good about yourself, it doesn't really matter, right? Because it really only matters how you feel about yourself. I want to pivot for a little bit because how can we not talk about this here in the fall of 2023? We mentioned before in your bio that you're living in Israel, also that you're a writer. We've been following your blog, which has just been so beautiful. Your latest piece is holding my breath on Israel's Northern Front. So this is a big question. Can can you please tell us, first of all, how you ended up in Israel from, as you said, growing up in Great Neck, having gone to college at Cornell? And what motivated you to write that piece and what's going on in Israel? This is a longer conversation, but I wanted to pivot and talk about that. I I moved to Israel because I had the sense that uh, Jews as a people have waited for thousands of years to have a homeland and it was happening while I was alive and I wanted to be part of it. I was also very liberal and very much interested in coming and helping with peace. And I I'm still active in a peace group of women of all faiths, Muslim, Jewish, Druze, and Christian. So I, I try to see the hope wherever I go. Right now, it's a very difficult time here. I wouldn't call it a war of Israel against Hamas. I would call it a war of light against darkness, because these are terror forces that have not just terrorized Israel and I think people should know, for example, the Bedouin Arabs who are Muslims, there were 27 Bedouins who were killed. Their women were raped. They were beheaded with their hijab, their head coverings on. So this is a a war against humanity. And I feel like the people who are marching for peace, that they don't understand that it is our duty as Israelis, but also in the West, to dismantle Hamas, this or, this terrorist organization, because they're also terrorizing 
Palestinians in Gaza. They've killed uh, lesbians and homosexuals. They don't let women uh, speak freely. Even when they were fighting among themselves, they were throwing people off roofs. So this is a, a terrorist organization that has to be dismantled. And right now, as we speak, there are thousands of refugees within Israel who have left from the south near Gaza and the north. My younger son and his girlfriend were living in a town called Metula, which is right on the border of Lebanon, and they were forced to flee. They came here. They had only what they were wearing and their dog in their backpacks, and they don't know if their house will still be standing after the war. And it really feels like this is a battle for our existence. It's um, Israel's right to exist and Arab countries, the importance of them recognizing that Israel has a right to be on earth, but they're, that's what they're fighting against. You are sounding so calm and in listening to you, I'm in awe of how you're able to articulate how you're feeling and what is going on. Talk, talk about that a little bit more. I want to learn more about what you've been doing to help promote peace and what that experience is like for you. You wrote a bit about that in your blog and you had some wonderful stories, which I'm not going to repeat. I'd rather you tell them. How I promote peace is, is every day, this area that we live in, it's called the Western Galilee. It's north of Haifa and about 12 miles south of Lebanon. And the Western Galilee is known as a, a place of uh, peaceful coexistence. The president of the local hospital is a Christian Arab, and the staff is all kinds of people. They serve all different people. The, we work and live together. I went to give blood the other day, and there was an Ethiopian uh, woman working at the equivalent of the Red Cross, which is here called the Red uh, Star, next to a, a Muslim man. So there is coexistence, and that is the one thing that terror organizations do not want to see. They don't want to see pluralism. They want to see an Islamic totalitarian state like there is in Iran. So just being here and being part of this country now, it feels like I'm working for peace. And what I do now that everything has been suspended. People have lost their jobs. Many of the breadwinners have been called up for a reserve duty. So it's really a, a crisis situation but I go to bring coffee to soldiers who are stationed nearby in the morning. The other day <clears throat> I, I arrived on my bicycle and the soldier said, wow, just now we were fantasizing about coffee and then you appear. <laughs> and then they always thank me and they're always so grateful. And I say, please don't thank me. Look what you're doing. And it's just heartbreaking to see young men in their twenties and thirties and teenagers having to fight this fight. But at the other hand, it's also very moving. This is our country and, and everyone is so proud of this country. It's such a special place and it, it moves me to tears. And I do this soldier's laundry. I found out today that there is a group of people who are willing to do it. I didn't know, but so far we've done about 30 loads of laundry. 
Speaking of accessories, I now have a very good sense of men's underneath. Dana, I hope you don't mind if I read a paragraph or two from your latest blog, which describes a little bit about what you're doing. And I hope our listeners will go and learn more from your blog, because I think it's so important for people to read and see from life in Israel. You wrote in your latest piece, which I mentioned before, holding my breath on Israel's northern front. Last week, I started bringing them coffee. Instant Nescafe with milk is a treat, one of them said. Or Turkish coffee with cardamom each morning. I gave them clementines I just picked from our tree. Yesterday, I took home their laundry, as you said, to wash in our machine. I always ask them their names, so I'll remember. Just in case, to Tom, Guy, Afir, Ben. In their regular lives, they are musicians, chefs, engineers, students, law interns. One has four kids. One has long dreadlocks. Another has a nose ring. They were called up to their reserve units, and they came. One landed in Israel on Friday and was with his army unit the next day. What has that meant to you to be able to help the soldiers in this way? And on top of that, I'm curious to know, we talked a little bit about this offline. What can we do here? Most of our listeners are in the U.S. How can we help? About the soldiers, I have to say, it feels like a do-it-yourself army of Jews, Ethiopians, Russians, Israelis for seven generations, all of them coming together to defend Israel. It's very moving and it's very powerful. What can you do? Two things I, I can think of. The first is my younger son, Ari, the one who had to flee his house. He has a friend and his name is Alon. Alon is from the kibbutz in the South. He was with his wife and baby daughter and the terrorists came And his wife passed their baby daughter to him, and they split up and ran in opposite directions, and his wife is captured now. His mother was killed, and he is now raising his baby, and his house was destroyed. So Ari and his friends have set up a fund for him. So that is one thing that would be wonderful to donate to. The money is going to a loan. There's stories like this all the time. There are children being held hostage. The other thing you could do is write to any celebrities to share these stories and to tell any young people you know that going to a rally for a ceasefire is supporting Hamas. Hamas's philosophy is to, to get people sympathy so that they will go against Israel and tell Israel to stop fighting, and then they will maintain their power. All the humanitarian aid is going to weapons. Why have they run out of food, but they haven't run out of weapons? There are still weapons being fired at us because they're using people as human shields. They build terror networks under hospitals. So any young people who are going to these pro-Palestine rallies, this is to, to wipe Israel off the map. It has less to do with Palestine and more to do with anti-Israel and the, the, the fact that this is a nation of Jews in an area that, that Islamists want as a caliphate, as a, like Iran. So those are two things that I thought of. Thank you. Are all of your children in Israel? Right now, no. My son who fled went with his girlfriend. They went to Portugal for a while because they didn't have a house and they were staying with people and they just needed to get away. And one daughter went to Florida and my older son and his fiance are expecting a baby in a few weeks, which is a life affirming act. It's very unnerving to have Mm -hmm. a baby in these difficult times, but life goes on and 
Jews celebrate life. What do we say? L'chaim, to life. These terrorists celebrate death. They put on Facebook and uploaded pictures of them beheading people. They are Mm. savages and they, they don't deserve any sympathy. They were calling home to their mothers and saying, mom, I killed three Jews. These are not people that have a, a, a right to have the power there. And I need to stress that. What is your sense of things in terms of in Gaza with civilians who were told, get out? Do you think that many got out? Do you think that they couldn't leave because they were kept behind because of Hamas? What is your sense? I'm hearing from the Israeli army that they are telling people to leave. Our Israeli army sends out flyers and leaflets in Arabic saying, leave now. And they don't want to fight civilians. Terrorists fight civilians, kill civilians. They don't fight soldiers. So Hamas has deliberately built their terror infrastructure under hospitals and under United Nations. It's a very cynical use of civilians. And for Hamas, it's a win-win situation. The more of their civilians that are killed, the more they can blame Israel and get more money. Let me ask you something, Diana. As a Jewish woman, a Jewish person living in Israel who grew up in America, are you surprised at the response to what's going on right now at this moment? I think Jews have internalized anti-Semitism to such a great extent that progressive Jews want to distance themselves from Israel, like we're the bad guys and they want to support the underdog. But in reality, Israel is the underdog. We are a 9 million Jews against a billion Muslims around the world who hate Jews. And that that is a fact that has emerged. There is, a, as I've said earlier, a perfect storm of left-wing anti-Semitism that came from the Soviet Union propaganda that Zionism is racism that has united with Islamic religious anti-Semitism and right-wing anti-Semitism. So everyone is now focused on the Jewish state as the devil incarnate in the world. And progressive Jews have fallen for this. They think that the problem of the Middle East is going to end once the Jewish state is eliminated. So it isn't just a battle against Israel. It's it's a battle against Western society. And I'm sorry that I've taken over your wonderful- This is what we're here to learn and to hear your story. I'm so curious. Did you ever imagine that this day would come? No, I really thought that after the Holocaust, it was like people would have learned not to hate Jews. But I remember when I went to live in, I studied in Paris one semester and I requested a Jewish family. So they put me with the Schwartz family. In French, it was called Les Schwartz. And I walked (laughs) in and they were German from Alsace and they were very anti-Semitic. And the woman even told me that I was going to burn in hell because I didn't accept Jesus. And that was Mm. my first encounter with European anti-Semitism, which has a religious base. So there's still a lot of this, as I said, the meeting of Islam and Christianity against the Jews. And this has been going on throughout history. 
first of all, do not apologize for Stephanie and me. It is really wonderful to see your face and to talk to you. Our listeners don't know this, but I met you, Diana. I don't even remember how many years ago in person in America, when you came to my house, another book you had written, you've written several books came out and you came to my book club. That feels like a million years ago right now, but it was such a wonderful evening. And I told my friends from my book club that you were coming on and they of course send their best and wanted to know how you were doing. We've learned a lot and we will continue to learn a lot from you, but Stephanie and I, not that this is about us or our accessories based podcast, but we've wondered and this is getting to a question, how we can go on right now talking with guests about accessories and items from your jewelry box and promoting various work out in the world, cool work and great work when there's a war going on in Israel. And like you said, there's a threat to democracy and there's so much anti-Semitism going out. It's hard to know how to live our daily lives. But when we speak to you and when I read your blog about how you're doing laundry for the soldiers and bringing them coffee. My question for you is, how can we go on living our daily lives? How can you and what should we be doing? It's hard to figure it out because I do think that one of the ways you fight terrorism is by living your free democratic life. Right. Standing up for what we believe. It is very hard not to feel guilty for feeling good. Like I have to snatch those moments. I still have to be strong physically and emotionally and mentally because the terrorists are trying to wear us down emotionally and make us feel very weak and vulnerable. And it feels like an existential fight right now. So I do a lot of praying. I try to meditate, even though it's really hard for me to concentrate. And for all of your listeners and you, I still recommend staying strong and being healthy because it doesn't help anyone if if we're not and still taking care of ourselves, maybe doing yoga, whatever you need to do to stay strong, because there's going to be, I think, a, a big fight ahead of us, not only for us in Israel, but also for you in America. And we have to stay focused. How are you talking to your family members about what's going on? And I'm sure those who have left Israel are concerned for your safety. And what's that been like? We check in with each other. My husband and I don't have a TV, so we don't, which is very good. We don't see the atrocities, but it's hard not to look at the news constantly. Hmm. It's really a very stressful time, and there's no way around it. That's all I can say about that. I I wish I could share something positive. Let's let me think of something <laughs> fun. I just there's. Just those little moments. Life is so precious. It really feels like that. Everything feels very precious and very fragile. And maybe that's how life always is, but we take it for granted. But saying, I love you to to my our six kids, whenever we speak to them, saying, I love you to my husband when he's still working in the avocado fields until they receive notice that they can't work. And he works with uh, Arabs and um, Jews and Thai workers, and there were workers from Thailand who were also killed by Hamas terrorists. There were people from 36 countries who were killed. It's interesting you brought up the news because we here in America are news junkies. We have it on 24-7. And I think there's good things about that and there's bad things about that, right? Because 
you have to be able to do what you can to fight for what you believe in, but also live your life, as you were saying. So how are you able, I mean, you had this, to bring it back to your accessory and your book, you had this wonderful book, Loving Yourself, about being a Jewish young woman and a, and a Jewish older woman, I'll say, come out in May of this year. And I'm sure you're very proud of that book, as you should be. How have you been able to promote that book, to do your work? You're working on a new series, you're writing. How are you able to do your work? I haven't been able to concentrate. I've spent most of my time trying to get out information that Israel has offered our the Palestinians peaceful uh, means of ending this situation. And they've always refused it because they refuse to accept the existence of Israel. And I heard a very interesting podcast by um, Yuval Harari, who wrote Sapiens, who said that Poland gave up um, both Vilnius and Lviv, I think it's called, which are two cities, one to uh, Lithuania and one to the Ukraine, because they said history is history. We don't want the territory anymore. We want to move on. So there has to be a way that um, that Palestinians understand that that history is history. They can't come back and live in the land. And also the media is, especially from Gaza, somebody wrote that they're stenographers of Hamas. Any journalist who is in Gaza reporting has to be in favor of Hamas or else they won't be allowed to work there. So I I want your listeners, all of you who are listening, to be really um, careful about what you hear because it's very one-sided against Mm -hmm. Israel. It's very trendy to be against Israel. And it's to the detriment of Western civilization because every country that loses its Jews loses. That's for sure. Where do you go to find those sources of truth? Looking at Israeli newspapers and websites is also gives you a more sense of what's happening. Speaking of that, I know you do a lot of freelance writing work for some of the Israeli papers. And we've mentioned a couple of times your blog, which we are following regularly. And I encourage all of our listeners to follow you on your blog. Where else can our listeners find you? Where would you like them to go online? The the blog that you mentioned was, was originally published in Times of Israel. So they have, there's other blogs there too that are writers who are really good that I recommend and going to my website and yeah, that's it. <laughs> Diana, we could spend the whole day talking to you and it's been profound to hear your words, where you're sitting, what you're experiencing, the love that you're giving to neighbors everywhere. And we appreciate your sharing that gift with us. And we look forward to our listeners hearing what you have to say and to sharing that with them. Thank you. And to everyone who's listening, remember, please, that defending Israel is being on the right side of this fight. So please do what you can, all of you. And we really appreciate it here. Thank you for joining us. We talked a little bit offline the way timing works. We were initially supposed to interview Diana this summer. I think it was at the end of July and I lost my voice. Shockingly, everyone knows I love to talk. (laughs) And so Diana was so lovely and said, sure, we'll postpone. It was just for whatever reason, we had you on the calendar for this week, the very end of October. I think this episode is going to come out in another week or so. But as I think Diana said something like maybe perhaps it was meant to be, we really appreciate you joining us because we know you have a lot of things going on, but 
We hope this was good for you. It certainly felt good for us to get information from you and to hear your story and and to see your face, really. We really appreciate your time. Yeah. Thank you. And I just want to say a plug for your podcast. You've had such wonderful guests and you both are so warm and welcoming and great hosts and you ask really good questions and accessories are really important. You know, that they're like the the added details in life. So it's nothing to be, to feel guilty about. You know, we have to add to our lives and be as vibrant and colorful and happy and joyous as we can, because life is so short. Mm. If it weren't for your accessory, I don't think you would have been able to say that. So at the end of the day, self-esteem and loving yourself and loving others, that's what rules, right? Yes, it does. Stay safe. And thank Thank you you so much for being here with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life's Accessories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.